So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, and I'm going to be speaking from the 11th chapter of St. Luke, and I want to begin by simply saying that every Christian should have a healthy, beautiful, progressing prayer life. No Christian should have just a spurt prayer life. Christians should have an intense, a smooth moving of God's Spirit in their life as they pray. Because depression is out to get us. Discouragement is out to destroy us. Satan is out to discredit us. And the world is out there in opposition to our standards. And so I want to talk to you tonight about how to improve your prayer life. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 11. We'll also be in March, uh, Matthew chapter 6. And it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples, or one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven as it is in earth. Give us this day by day our daily bread. And forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Stop. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And after this manner, therefore, Jesus said, Pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to talk to you about how to improve your prayer life. You may be seated. All of us could have our prayer life improved. I would like to think that I have a pretty healthy, pretty solid prayer life, but I know that there's always room for improvement. I know it's so important that we stay in contact with the one who saved us, for he longs to stay in contact with you and I. I'm going to share some little things that I believe that many times we overlook. In verse 1 of Luke chapter 11, he gives us a very powerful principle to our prayer. And that is, we should have a certain place in which to go to pray. Verse 1 says, it come to pass as he was praying in a what? A certain place. So a preacher, that just means that he was in a certain place praying. Well, if you'll read the scriptures, you'll know that Jesus would slip out early in the morning and he would go into the Mount of Olives and he'd pray. If you read the scripture, he had special places that he would talk to God a place where he would go to be interrupt, in, uh, interrupted, to be in a place of silence and solitude in which he could talk to God. I want to remind everybody in this room, you need to slow down, get quiet, so that you hear your prayer and you know what you're talking, what you're saying. It's just important to hear our prayer and know what we're saying as it is just to come and try to get into a frenzy of prayer trying to get God to do something. Prayer is majestic. It's powerful. It's incredible. And one of the things I've learned early as a young Christian in life is that 
You need a place where you can go and pray. A place where people will leave you alone. A place where you can go by yourself and spend time in the presence of God. You say, well, the disciples was with Jesus, yes, and they knew better than to bother him. They left him alone. And while the disciples were leaving Jesus alone while he's praying, they were listening. And they were so moved by how Jesus talked to his father, so moved by the anointing of his prayer, that they asked Jesus when he got through talking, they didn't interrupt him when he got through praying, they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? In one place, as teach us to pray as John taught his disciples, John the Baptist. So we know that John was a great prayer warrior as well. But there's some things tonight that some of the things I, I will say will be repetitious. Other things that I will say will be maybe somewhat offensive to you concerning our prayer life. Every week, Every week, not only should we have a place to pray, but we should have a time to pray. And every week, we should have one important prayer day. Did you hear what I just said? Every week, we should have one important prayer day. Say, so where do you get that? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And one day, you work six days, and then one day, you rest. You need one day every week of your life that you will set aside to make it a prayer day. And I do that. Sundays is my prayer day. Sundays is my prayer day. Sunday is my preach day. Sunday is my uh, Lord's day. Sunday is the day that I dedicate to the Lord. For every Sunday morning, I rise out of bed at four in the morning. I make my way here to the church, and I spend time just praying till about eight o'clock in the morning. It's my prayer day. And that prayer day of mine has literally changed my life because I've learned the voice of God. I've learned the movement of God. And I want you to know today, as Christians, you need to have a solid prayer life. You should have a place in which you can go to pray, a certain place, and not only have a certain place, but you should pick a day a week. I know we're busy. I know we're busy with our job, trying to make a living. I know we're busy with things in the week, but you need to take one day and set it aside and spend quality time in prayer with the Lord. I don't mean you've got to pray all day. But you need to set a day aside every week, one day a week, to give it to the Lord in prayer. Because you can say, stay so busy that you don't give God time in prayer. It's not, that, it's not so much that we don't know how to pray, it's just we don't know how to take time to pray. In fact, the disciples didn't even say to Jesus, teach us how to pray. They said, teach us to pray. And inside of us is the Holy Spirit, is the Christian crying, Abba, Father. So there is within us the bedrock and the anointing that we know how to cry, Abba, Father. We know how to pray and talk to God. And so this, this and let me say quickly, I do not believe Luke 11, verse 1 through 4 and Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 is the same scripture. I believe this is two accounts in which Jesus taught his disciples about prayer. I don't think it's the same. They're, they're pretty much alike, but they're not the same. And I, and I think it would be unkind to the wisdom of Jesus to say that he didn't teach his disciples about prayer on a regular basis, and I believe that he did. And because he teaches his disciples on a regular basis how to pray, I think the pastor needs to take time to talk to people about our prayer life and about our co contact with the Lord. And I will discuss some things today that will, uh, I think will help you. I know it will help you. 
Because people pray differently. They pray, hopefully you pray into the right God. His name is Jesus Christ, but we pray differently. And our prayers can be long or they can be short. Because our God is powerful no matter the length of the prayer. Our God reaches out. The prayer that Peter prayed when he was sinking, drowning in the sea was a very short prayer. Help me! But my, it was a powerful prayer. It saved the hide of Peter. He didn't drown. So we don't necessarily have to pray long prayers. They can be short prayers. But I think it's within the heart, the bedrock of every Christian to pray longer. I think it is in our hunger to spend more time with God and to pray longer. If a short prayer can do so many great mighty things, then a long prayer, I'm sure, maybe won't do much for God, but it'll do a lot for you. Amen? And so I've learned every Sunday morning when I come here. Now, this is not the Lord's Prayer. This is the, the disciples' guide to prayer. This is the, the disciples' prayer. This is you and I. It's our prayer. If you want to read the Lord's Prayer, it is in John 17. And we can't pray that prayer, but the Lord can. But we can pray this prayer. And I'll bring out this fourth little thought. Disciples, this is the disciples' prayer guide. It is the, it is the disciples' outline. It is the disciples' recipe to call out to God. Every Sunday morning, in fact, through the week when I'm praying, many times I will just pray this prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven as it is in earth. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our sins or me of my debts, my sins, as we forgive the sins or our debtors of others to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I, many times when I come to church on Sunday morning at 4, 4.35 in the morning, I pray that prayer. But then I move on and realize that that prayer, we've only just begun. There ought to be a song about that, we've only just begun. Amen? There really ought to be. I don't know much about the song. I hope I'm not sticking my foot in my mouth. But nonetheless, this, this many commonly is known as the Lord's Prayer. But I want to point out some things that will help us as we construct our prayer life. It says, Our Father which art in heaven. So our, our prayer must be focused upon someone higher, our Father, which is in heaven. Our prayers must be focused upon the God who can do the impossible. Our prayers must be focused on the God that can move mountains, the God that created the universe. Our prayers must be focused on the God who made the rivers and the streams and the ocean and the land and all creation and has invited us to call him Father. Amen? And, and God is my Father. He, he is the Father of all mankind in which He created, but He's not the Father of all men. Only the born again are, can claim Him as their Father. Amen? A lot of folks think they can come to church and that makes them a Christian. You know, I come to church, listen to the preacher, I say, Amen, glory to God, that makes you a Christian. Well, let me just put it in plain vanilla. You can walk inside a garage where they work on cars and you can go beep, beep, but that don't make you a Mercedes Benz. There has to be a transformation taking place. And so going to church doesn't give us that 
transformation, that change, but knowing God does. And so when we open up our prayer, we open up our prayer to something much higher. We keep our focus on Him, our focus on God. Don't focus on your problem. Don't focus on your storm. Focus on the God, the master of the storm. Don't focus on your sickness. Don't focus on your persecution. Don't focus on your weakness. Focus on the strength of Almighty God and cry, Our Father, which art in heaven. And then Jesus Christ says, we're to say, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. So right there we see how you start a prayer. You start it in the presence of God. You start it in the name of Jehovah. You start it looking above. You start it looking up to heaven. And then you worship him. Hallowed be thy name. You praise him. You worship him. You magnify him. You glorify him. And you give him praise and you worship and you just talk about how much you love him and how much God is to you and how much God has done for you and how thankful for you are in life. And boy, you've you've already prayed 10 minutes. And you've only just begun. This is a recipe. This is an outline for prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praise and worship. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Done in earth as it is in heaven. Focus on heaven. Are you hearing me? Focus on heaven. Focus on God's will. Focus on, in heaven there is no sickness. In heaven there is no death. In heaven there is no uh, uh, defeat. In heaven there's no, uh, uh, no storms and, and, and destruction. In heaven there's life. In heaven there's joy. In heaven there's perfection. In heaven there's glorious power. And we're to focus on that, that that would come to earth and as it is in heaven so shall it be in the earth that earth would make contact with heaven and that your prayers would make contact with heaven so that your earth and the little piece of earth you live on is changed by the power of God so you walk out of the prayer closet with a little piece of heaven on your soul that's what it's about praying, talking to the Lord And then we come to give us this day our daily bread. Our needs. Now in those biblical times when Jesus was here, bread was important. They had to get bread each day or they would starve to death. Bread wasn't as easy to come by as it is today. He said, well, bless God, he's talking about spiritual bread. No, he's talking about bread there. He's talking about you surviving. And give us this day our daily bread. Every day I need God. Every day I need strength. Every day I need God's riches in my life. Every day I need the love of God. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but somebody put it like this. Do you need God to do something? And they respond, you need God to go to Walmart. And if you've ever been to Walmart, you know you need God. That's right. If you ever went to Walmart, you know you need God because there's a whole bunch of people in that place that don't have God. Amen. Hello, don't walk down them aisles without God. Don't get near them people without God. The world's gone bonkers and they've all gone to Walmart. Oh, that's on, their, that's on their way to hell. But anyway, never mind. Not everybody at Walmart's bad. I mean, you've got Alan. Walmart manager. Cool. Amen. The Lord knows when to talk to you. I'm doing good, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, thank you. You won't give me a job, I know. But anyway, but I don't want one anyway. 
But we, we need God in our walk. We need God in this world. We need God for healing. We need God for strength. We need God to give us daily our daily bread. Every day that we step into, we must step into it in the presence of God. Every day we step into, we need to step into it with reliance and trust in God Almighty, knowing that we could not survive without the presence of God. And every Christian to the sound of my voice right now knows what I'm talking about. I made a little outline. It says, Our Father, Matthew 6, 9, Luke eleven two, 2. Our bread, Matthew 6, 11, Luke eleven three. Our sins, Matthew 6, 12, and which calls them debts and debtors, Luke eleven four. 4. Our debtors, those that sinned against us, Matthew 6, 12. This Lord's Prayer is really our prayer prayer. Amen? We pray for God to help us. And then we say, Father, forgive us of our sins, our debts. Forgive us. I believe it's in Luke chapter 11. It says, forgive us of our sins. Verse 4, Luke 11, forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted or sinned against us. In other words, we come to the throne of God and we ask that God would forgive us of our sins, that God would cleanse us. And, I, and trust me, I don't think the prayer of forgiveness is once-in-a-lifetime thing. I don't think the prayer of forgiveness is once-in-a-week thing. I don't think the prayer of forgiveness is once-in-a-progression-of-God in a, in a thing. I believe the prayer of repentance and the prayer of forgiveness and the prayer of asking God to forgive us of our sin is a daily thing, for it's a daily need in our life. And if you don't think you've sinned, you need to pray that God will... Forgive you for your pride. I don't go out and deliberately sin, and you don't either. At least I hope you don't. Because God has taken that deliverance, that being deli de de deliberate in sin, he's taken that away from us. Now notice, you prayed for your, your needs, you prayed for forgiveness, now you're praying, verse 13, for protection. God, lead us not into temptation. Don't put us in a place where we'll fail. Don't put us in a place we can't handle. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us from evil. Keep us from tragedy. Keep us from collapsing. Keep us from being destroyed. Keep us and protect us. And I want you to know prayer is for forgiveness, but prayer also is for protection. Prayer is to give God honor. Prayer is to give God praise. And we see the outline where to go to God, our Father which art in heaven, focusing upon him, loving him, praising him, thanking him, giving him glory, just worshiping and worshiping and worshiping and praising God and giving God glory. Amen. And then understanding that, that heaven is what we need. Heaven is what needs to come to earth. Earth needs to be changed by heaven. Thy kingdom come. I think you could even put in there, you're praying for the Lord to come and get you. Thy kingdom come. It's not wrong to pray for the Lord to come and take us home. There's nothing wrong with that unless you're trying to get out of something. I'm not trying to get out of something. I'm trying to get into God's blessing, his heavenly blessing. Amen? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name that's praise and worship. Thy kingdom come. Hallowed be thy name is to give God praise. Kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not wrong to ask God for your needs. Ask God for your needs. And ask God for forgiveness for your sin. And then you forgive others as you, as you ask God to forgive you for your sin. You forgive others that's hurt you and you forgive them of their sin. 
So when you ask God to forgive you of your sin, you're to turn around and forgive those that's been mean to you or transgressed against you, and you're to forgive them of their sin. Isn't that good? You say, well, that ain't what the Bible says. You're trying to get out of it, aren't you? It says, give us this day our daily bread, verse 11, Matthew 6. Forgive us of our debts. That's our sins, Luke 11. And forgive us of our, and forgive our debtors. You're asking God to forgive those that sinned against you. But we're told in Luke 11 that we are to forgive them as well. Also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now we're asking God to forgive them, but then God goes on at the end of this Lord's Prayer or this model prayer, and he says, if you don't forgive them, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. So we should ask God to forgive those that's been wrong to us, and then we too in our heart should forgive them in our heart so that we don't have any bitterness swell up in our soul. You can read the rest of this chapter of chapter 11, this chapter of Luke, and the rest of this chapter 6 of, of Matthew chapter 6, and, and read the rest of that, and you'll see that you've got to forgive. Verse 14, Matthew 6, verse 14, if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I like that. This is the one I don't like. But if you forgive not, men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Ouch. See, this forgiveness should slap back not only to us as we forgive others, but this is a time in which we spend in great crying out to God, asking God to move in the midst of us. And, that, and going by this recipe, this prayer line, Notice it starts, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. It starts with praise and adoration and worship to God. But notice it ends after it says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. It ends with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So you begin your prayer with hallelujah. You begin your prayer, God, I love you. You begin your prayer focused on the awesome, incredible God. You begin your prayer with thanksgiving and worship and entering into the throne room, behind the veil, into the holiest of holies, you begin your prayer by going before the king and, and as he stretches forth his scepter, he, he, he gives you permission to start asking for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Asking for the king's will to be done in our life. The king's will to be done and change our lives and to provide our every need, daily need. Praise the Lord. Short prayers. Your prayers can be long or you're short. This is the disciples' prayer guide. So in the morning when I pray, I'm usually sitting right there in that chair there, or I'm sitting right here on this altar. 4, 4.30 in the morning on Sunday morning, I say, my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. God, give me this day my daily bread, my strength. Forgive me of my sin. And I forgive everybody else of their sin, Lord. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I pray that prayer. It's a short prayer. I pray it. And then I take off with the recipe. Then I pull out the outline, the guide. And I pray in total submission to my Lord. When I listen to people pray... And I do listen to people pray. If they're going to lead us in prayer, I listen. Because I don't want them to say anything. I, you know, I'd interrupt them if they were praying that we'd get the our, you know, disease in our Zachariliac or something. I'd stomp them. 
You say, what's exactly really at? Something in your back that hurts really bad when it gets out of whack. I, not just, you know, not just spurts of prayer I want to have. I want to have seasons of prayer. God's people need to have seasons of prayer, not just spurts of prayer. Every Christian should have a good, solid prayer life, structured, his name, his kingdom, his will, that God's will would be done. Every week we should have a, a time. Maybe it isn't Sunday. Maybe it's Monday. Maybe it isn't Monday. Maybe it's Tuesday. Maybe it's, a, if you're super spiritual, maybe it's Saturday. Don't matter to me, but it matters to God. God says you're to work six days and one day you're to refresh yourselves in my mighty name. You're to refresh yourself in my rest and Jesus Christ is my rest. Amen? Hello. So we're to forgive others, but we also, if we don't forgive others or we're to ask God to forgive others, we should always ask the Lord to move in other people's lives. Now, I'm going to get in some touchy areas, but I, I feel like I need to say this. On Sunday mornings is my day to refresh myself. And in my day to refresh myself in prayer, I have a lot of loved ones that has already died and went on to be with the Lord. And I pray for the dead. Now, I know some of you are thinking, whoa, preacher, they're dead. I know, I pray for them. Not like you think. I'm not crazy in my head. I tell the Lord how much they mean to me. I tell, I tell the Lord how much I look forward to seeing them again. I bring their remembrance before the throne of God and say, oh God, I miss them sore. And I love them and I want to see them again. And, and whatever they're doing right now, bless them richly and touch their life. God, whatever you're doing right now, I want you to bless my loved ones and those that have died and went on before me. God, give them a great day in heaven today. I miss them. One day I'll meet them and I'm making plans to dance a jig at the, at the throne room of God when I hug them and meet them. It's not wrong to pray to the dead. You're not praying for them. They can't hear you, but you can talk to God and you pray for them and it enriches your life. I think we too many times let the dead die with the dead and we should not let the dead die with the dead because God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And if that's true, and it is, if God's the God of the living, then I have no right to not, not do this in remembrance of him when Jesus died on the cross and to take the bread and the cup. I have no right not to have memorial to those that's gone on before me. I want to remember them. I want to love them. I want to keep them focused in my heart. This will help some of you right now. Don't feel guilty about loving those that's gone on before you. Don't feel guilty about grieving over those that's gone on before you because there's no guilt involved. It's pure love. And it brings pure healing to your soul. Amen? And so I pray for them. Not like you think, but I, I make plans to spend time with them in heaven. And I, and I go to the throne room and I talk to God about how much they truly mean to me. And how much He, God, truly means to me. Because this is the day I'm going to refresh myself. And some of you, you try to refresh yourself without spending it in the presence of the Lord. There is no refreshing. There is no refreshing in, in past memories. There is no refreshing in, in past 
uh, 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 photos or, or past uh, uh, activities. There is no refreshing unless you connect them with your Savior. And when you spend time with God and you make plans, big plans for over there, and you worship God and you magnify God, there is a refreshing that will wash through your soul and bring healing in the midst of deep grief. Healing and blessing. Now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. That's all right. Wait till I get to the next part. Whoa. Now, I want you to understand that when things happen in your life, your voice will change. When you go to God and your heart's broken, your voice will be broken. When you go to God and you're excited, your voice will be excited. But when you go to God in just religious activity and you stand to pray, Oh God, the God of might and power, Almighty God. Who are you praying to, him or me and you? Oh God. And you change it. You change it from G-O-D to G-O-U-D. God. There's nothing wrong with changing your voice. If that change is down deep, rock solid in your soul. I hope some Pentecostals are watching me tonight. You don't have to pray to God like a Pentecostal's preaching. Someone says you don't have to yell to God. Well, you don't, but you can. Because God's not nervous. Amen? But hear me, and, and please take this right. Please take this right. We pray differently. I mean, I love to hear, I love to hear Chuck pray. I mean, Chuck goes down in there. To the, it go, Chuck goes to the basement in the, in the toe jam of his shoes, and he roars up out of his diaphragm, praising God and pre and talking to the Lord. And it's real. Love hearing Chuck pray. If I needed someone to pray for me, he'd be one of the first guys that I'd like to have prayer. Sunday morning, some of the men prayed for me on this platform. I can't tell you the calls and the, and the, and the texts and the people that said, Pastor, are you going to be all right? Well, yeah. People think it's the worst. I love hearing Chuck pray. I love hearing Brother Jerry pray, just pure, bedrock man of God. I love hearing Don pray, just simple prayers of faith and power. I love hearing Daryl pray. He doesn't, Daryl prays for people on this platform before service, and Daryl doesn't go, oh God, oh God, do something, whoo! No. He just quietly prays for us and says, Lord, you know this guy that I'm about to pray for is a buffoon. He needs your help. I love hearing Daryl pray. God loves hearing you pray. Loud, quiet, timid, boisterous, he loves hearing you pray. Amen? But don't try, don't try when you're praying, don't, don't pray yourself into a sweat and a frenzy. Don't pray yourself into a sweat or a frenzy. Don't change your voice. Don't make something happen. Don't, don't say, well, I've got to feel God. I've got to feel God in my prayer. And so you get into a frenzy and a sweat in your prayer that is flesh crying out to God, and flesh cannot please God. But if you'll just settle down and hear the voice of God and bring peace to your soul and so that you can hear what you're saying and feel what you're saying, and you can call out to God, not only hear God's voice, but hear your voice and what you're saying, your prayer will hit the target every time. But you can't pull yourself up into a frenzy and believe that God's going to come to you because, 
whoo, you did a certain way of prayer. Now, if you want to pray that way, that's fine. But you're missing out on the quiet silence of God's majesty sweeping through your soul. Now, do I pray that way? Yeah, when I really need God to do something, I'm broken. Well, didn't Jesus pray heavy in the Garden of Gethsemane and his... He sweat, there's great drops of blood. Didn't he agonize in the garden? Yes, because the devil was trying to kill him. And if the devil's trying to kill you, I expect you to do the same thing. Sweat and agonize and call out to God. But our prayers should be through God's calling. Let me share this, and please don't miss what I'm about to say. It's one thing for you to call God to prayer. It's another thing for God to call you to prayer. Are you hearing me? When you call God to prayer, you're in the valley. You're trying to call God to to you. But when God calls you to prayer, he's calling you up on the mountain. Now, both Prayers are wonderful. You're calling God to prayer. You're seeking God. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. That's a wonderful thing, and you can call out to God. But when God says, stop and pray, when God calls you to pray, that's when magnificent things happen. And when God calls you to be saved, that's when you really get saved. When God calls you by his spirit, God really changes your life. I remember one time I was driving down the road, and I was just praying. I said, God, why don't you ever talk to me? I was in one of them moods, you know. God, you're just ignoring me. I need your help. Oh, God. And I probably went 100 miles. I was going out to Nevada by myself to take a car back to, to my mother-in-law, and I prayed, God, I can't feel you. And I'm kind of down. All of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. I'm, I'm running 80 mile an hour on 50 highway. Nevada, you can drive really fast on 50 highway. I was going 80, 90 mile an hour, and the Lord says, pull over. I said, what? Pull over. And I said, why do I need to pull over? I can talk to you right now. It dawned on me, oh, God's calling me to prayer. And I pulled over. And bless God, I had a camp meeting and a thrill and a move of God in my life among that sagebrush that just absolutely changed my whole demeanor and spun me like a top with joy unspeakable because God called me to prayer. And when God calls you to prayer, go. Whatever you're doing, stop what you're doing. When God calls you to prayer, run to that place. When God calls you to prayer, go quickly. Does that mean you shouldn't call God to prayer? No, you should pray and talk to God. But remember, you can't base your prayer life on how much sweat you perspire, how much you know you agonize and cry out, and how rough you rough yourself up in prayer. You can't base prayer on that. You've got to base prayer on results, the presence of the Lord. Amen. I remember one time I had a certain place to pray. I lived in Galena, Missouri at the time. God knows that was my Moses in the desert, in the wilderness. And, and I had a place to pray. And I'd go out to the hayfield. There's an old uh, uh, field there beside the house, about, oh, I don't know, 60, 80 acres of land there. And I'd climb the fence and I'd go out there and pray. And many times... We lived right there beside it. It was actually my uh, wife's uh, father's property, her mother, her, their parents' property. And I'd go out in that field and I'd pray. And sometimes I'd pray from midnight till the next morning, daylight, and the dew would be on me. I, you know, I'd just pray, just love the Lord and worship the Lord. Well, one day I went out there to pray to spend some time with the Lord. That was my certain place of prayer. And so I went into that field to pray, and as I'm walking around praying, I couldn't get, I couldn't connect. How many know what I'm talking about? You're praying, you just can't connect. I couldn't connect. And so I'm praying, trying to call God to prayer. 
Because I'd had so many great moments in that field. It's that certain place I had. And the Lord spoke to me in a quiet, still voice down in my heart. He didn't speak it out loud, just down in my heart. He said, I want you to go to another field. Well, there's another field that I used to pray down by the spring, downtown, out of town, going toward Crane, Missouri. I'd go down there and I'd pray along that water brook. Well, it was late at night. I didn't want to go down there and walk among you know, the, the varmints late at night. And so I go down there and, and I'm talking to the Lord. The Lord says, go down there. I said, I can pray here. The Lord said, no, go down there to that field. I said, Lord, I can pray here. He said, I know you can, but if you want me to touch your life, you're going to go to the other field. And so I went, true story, went down there. It was getting late. It was dark. I mean, it wasn't late, late, but it was dark. And I began to climb up over the gate, the big round, you seen them big round fence posts. And when I reached up to put my hand on the fence post, my hand fell on a tape measure. Tape measure. And, and I'm praying, and I've got this tape measure. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I put it on my side, pretended to be some carpenter, I guess, and I'm walking around this tape measure. Look what the Lord gave me. And I'm praying and talking to the Lord, having a good time. And all the Lord spoke to me and said, take that tape measure to its owner. And while you're there, tell him about me. I said, I got you, Lord. I don't know who this tape measure belongs to. He said, who does the field belong to? Oh. Now, I knew who the field belonged to because he gave me permission to pray in there. He was an old man, very old. And the Lord said, take it to him. It's his. And while you're there, tell him about me. So I knocked on his door. And he came to the door, the old man. And I said, the Lord has sent me to deliver you a tape measure. He let a little cuss word out and says, oh, I be blank, blank, blank. It's the first time I ever had God de deliver or return a tape measure to me. And I said, the Lord told me to tell you about him, the Lord. He said, Okay. You were kind enough to bring me my tape measure. I'll give you 10 minutes. And in 10 minutes, I took him to hell and back three times. In 10 minutes, I took him to the cross of Calvary. In 10 minutes, I told him that he had to be saved. And when I got done, he looked at me and said, Well, I'm probably not going to sleep much tonight. I said, Well, God loves you. I said, I'll pray with you now. He said, No. I said, I'll, I'll think about it. It wasn't a week later he died. I don't know whether he got saved or not, but I know this, the Lord didn't allow him to die until the Lord told him the gospel. So when you pray, expect God to ask things of you. When you pray, expect God to have you do things. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And you may be that little bit of heaven to go do some things in earth. The representative. I hope, I hope you've enjoyed what I've said. Please hear me. I'm not against the people praying and getting into a frenzy and sweating and crying out to God. And you could argue, well, that's what the Lord did when the devil was trying to kill him. Yes, but the devil probably isn't trying to kill you. But if he ever does, then sweat all you want. Beg and cry all you want. But don't go to the altar slinging snot and sweating and crying out to God like you're a Pentecostal preacher praying to God, thinking that you're going to get some results because you are having a fit at the altar. It's okay to have a fit at the altar, but don't have a fit to get God to move at the altar. Have a fit at the altar because you're, you're in a fix. You, 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 you bit it, you're having a fit. You're having problems. See, God wants us to be real. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I'm convinced that the message tonight will help you if you'll listen to what I said and, and apply it to your life. I'm convinced that this message will t help your life. It'll strengthen you.
Don't spend all your time on your defeat. Spend all your time on the God of victory. Don't rehearse all your past. Go to God and say, Thy will be done right here as it is in heaven. Amen? Stand with me. Hope you enjoyed tonight. Hope you learned. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to express to you that you can pray longer if you want to. But short prayers are powerful too. There's no pressure on you except what God allows to be pressure on you to bring you into the prayer closet. In fact, in Matthew 6, 6, it says, when you pray, enter into your closet, shut the door, and pray to God in secret, and the God that sees you in secret shall reward you openly. So it's okay to go into your closet and pray in secret to God because God sees you in secret, and then he will reward you openly as you cry out to God. Some of us need to just spend more time in a certain place at a certain time, spending time with God, building up our prayer life, that's what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about improving your prayer life. Altar's open. We're going to give an invite. I'm not asking you to come and pray a one-hour prayer tonight. But I am asking you to make a commitment to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I want to strengthen my prayer life. I, I want to be a man or a woman of prayer. I want to ask you right now, if you would, come to an altar, make a commitment to God. Say, God, I'm here not to pray a big prayer. God, I'm here not to make something happen. I'm coming to this altar asking you, Father, teach me to pray. Take me into your divine presence and help me grow in my prayer. We grow in the Word. We grow in our walk with the Lord. We need to grow in our prayer. We need to grow in our prayer life. Altars open, you come.